and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon, and it's Thursday, October 14th. Hope everyone is doing well on this beautiful night here on the East Coast in Hoboken. Coming up today on the podcast, we are officially back, you know, starting new semester basketball a lot going on had trying to do this people you know we had some some mishaps but we are we are firmly back we are back in business today college football a lot of action has happened in the the first six weeks of the season we bring on the renowned the man college football expert and my hoboken neighbor max sass coach max sass he is a great friend of mine loves college football he's been watching all the games we we get into it the the early season storylines we talk oklahoma we talk clemson of course we had to hit on his buckeyes and the overall big 10 dominance of this early season before getting into one of the most fun topics in sports which is off-season storylines coaching carousels and, and we talk about usc but really fun podcast hope you guys all enjoy so i'll let the music and when we come back is my conversation from tonight with Coach Max Sass. All right, on the line now, resident double-double college football expert, my good friend, Max Sass. Max, how's it going? It's going great, David, and uh, it's it's very comforting to know that I spent 10 years coaching college basketball only to earn the title of resident college football expert. So um, I'm having apparently a midlife crisis here, but uh, very excited to be back. Look, what what we don't want to tell the people is you could be an expert in multiple things, and we're just not <laughs> in college basketball season yet. You know, I know to come to you for the Memphis is overrated with, with Amani Bates and, and Jalen Duran, but we're not there yet. We're in college football season just Fair enough. just wrapped up. We're about six games in for most teams. Six weeks. We're headed into week seven, right? Um, a lot of football has been played. I kind of like getting into it now. You know, so much overreaction early in the season after week zero, week one. You know, so many things are, are going on. We've seen a lot of football now. What are just some of your immediate, you know, thoughts on the early season uh, today? Oof, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think there's a million things, but I, I, I think the best way that I would describe my immediate thoughts are I'm not actually sure that anyone's really good. Um, I think for a long time I felt like, oh, well, there's Georgia and Alabama, and then there's everyone else, and now, well, Alabama lost, so okay, they're flawed. So is it just Georgia and everyone else? And I, I, I admit it. I look through. I look at it through the lens of Ohio State yep. as, as a big Ohio State fan. And you know, Ohio State is this immensely, immensely flawed team. But you know, like Georgia has a defense that, by the way, might be the best college football defense of all time. Um, but Ohio State is the best offense in the country right now. And uh, you know, I'm more scared of a team that can put fifty on Ohio State. Um, than a team that you know can hold Ohio State to 14 points. So yeah. I don't know. It's 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 weird. It, it doesn't feel like there's a team that you're just sitting there going, oh yeah, wow, it's them, it's them. And um, 
you know, I think the bigger thing that stands out even more than that is amongst that kind of like uh, hundred yards of crap or, you know, whatever it is that you got to dig through to find the best team in the country, you know, amongst that crap is frankly Clemson. You yeah. know, uh, that, that may be the most shocking thing to me. Yeah. Clemson off to this really poor start for their expectations, right. For the ways <laughs> coach Sweeney has, has built that program coming into the season. You had, you know, DJ Uigalalele being Dr. Pepper NIL commercial deals, you know, thinking that he's going to take the mantle from Trevor Lawrence. This team's going to make the playoff again, not living up to the hype, offensive line issues, um, injuries, right. And tough matchups early to playing Georgia week one is, is tough. As you mentioned with Georgia's really good defense, but my biggest thought so far has just been, you know, a lot has changed as you said, but also not change at the same time. And we're seeing a lot more parity. This is what we've been calling for and wanting as fans the last four or five years, really this whole playoff era is it always felt like the same three, four teams. You're just waiting for that first week in January for, for them to play and that no one could really compete with them this year. We have Iowa number two, Cincinnati uh, is now up to, to number three, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, you know, they, they have a path to being undefeated and potentially the playoff, the first group of five team. They went on the road and, and beat uh, Notre Dame. Having this parity of these non-traditional teams up there, you know, with the Alabamas and the Georgias and, and the Oklahomas, Ohio States, you know, the teams that are consistently there, it's kind of nice to have. We've been calling for all these other teams to, to get a fair shot, and it looks like at least one of them will. Um, I, I, I wouldn't get carried away i mean i mean not to be debbie downer but right i mean i mean do we really think iowa is going to be able to make the playoffs i mean don't forget they either have to beat ohio state penn state on a neutral field or or michigan you know in indianapolis presuming they make it to the uh, big 10 championship game which it looks like they will right so 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 we're gonna that 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 quarterback spencer petrus like he's not particularly good i, I mm-hmm. mean he, I, he's good compared to me don't get me wrong but right. um i'm not sure like i would be very nervous about him if i was a defensive coordinator in the big 10 championship game and and frankly do we really think cincinnati has a chance i mean does the acc have a shot i mean i guess wake forest is undefeated but like is wake forest gonna make the playoffs you know do we really have parity or do we just have the same teams that always lose, uh, always make it, just lose early, and it looks like parity. Well, the way that it looks like to me here, and we're going to get more in, into the Big Ten late, later on because they have just been dominating the the early season. Is how many undefeated teams can they really leave out of the top four going to that conference championship weekend? It looks like Cincinnati, the only ranked team they have left on their schedule, is a game against SMU and potentially whoever they play in their conference championship. Cincinnati, if they're undefeated again this year, and we always talk, you know, it's really like this two-year process. They were awesome last year, around 7-8 the whole time, battled Georgia, even though they ended up losing in that bowl game, played played pretty well. Um, if they're sitting there undefeated, I have really hard time believing that, they're, that the committee's not going to give them the fourth spot. Now, you're right, Iowa... The Big Ten is, is a bloodbath. Who knows what's going to happen? We're going to talk about that a little bit later in, in our Big Ten uh, segment. But it's 
it's just nice to have these different names. It's it's like the first year where where we had the playoff where in the first ever rankings, Mississippi State was number one with with Dak Prescott, and then Auburn was in there, and and Oregon, and and and, and all these different teams, Michigan State, right? Like all these different teams have been uh, have been ranked. It's just kind of nice after you know the Clemson Alabama dominance, where we kind of forget. Well, Clemson Alabama kept meeting Ohio State and Oklahoma were also basically making it every year too. Um, it's 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 kind of nice just to. Uh, have just some more names to legitimately talk about. That I agree with. I definitely agree with that. And then on the SEC side, you're definitely right. It's Alabama and Georgia and everyone else. But there's two issues, right, that that I see. And I kind of disagree with you on on Alabama. Even though they lost to Texas A&M, it looked like to me almost like they didn't lose. They just ran out of time. Um, They still look like just the team to beat Bryce Young, superstar, I think the defense will play better. It's hard to believe Nick Saban's going to have a defense play this poorly again, right? Um, just what you said, how many teams can outscore Bryce Young in this Alabama team? And then Georgia, in my opinion, just has to figure out who they're going to play at quarterback. I know JT Daniels is extremely talented, dealing with a shoulder injury, but it's like every week they're just subbing quarterbacks in and out. Either just rock with Stetson Bennett, who I like in this defense, or... Um, just play someone like I. It's so confusing to have this quarterback. Like Daniels is truly questionable every week. Like he must be legitimately hurt. It, it, it's very, it's very weird. It's very weird. I think the best comparison I can make is this Georgia team with Stetson Bennett is like the Ravens team that won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you you talk about like a legitimately all time defense. Um, with. You know, I, I, it's, I don't want to be mean to Stetson Bennett. It's not fair to say, like, maybe the worst quarterback to ever win a, a, a Super Bowl no. national championship. Bennett, but Bennett it, is a solid it, SEC starter. He's not a traditional playoff starter, but he, he's a solid starter. I mean, he was a walk-on coming out of high school, I think. Right. And he was just and, – and, 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 but what he is now is he's a solid starter. He's not going to lose yeah, you he, any games. He's fine. Yeah. And that beats what some teams are dealing with. Like, it's better to have a fine quarterback. Like, would you rather have Stetson Bennett or the guy from Iowa? <laughs> you know, um, in terms I, of I consistency, a, reliability. Yeah, I no, that's a, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. I mean, it's it's, uh, but it's also an unfair question, right? And, yeah. And, I, because you look at the weapons around each of them. Sure. You know, Stetson Bennett's just much more set up for success. But yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer. Neither of those guys are probably good enough to win a national title. But then again, Trent Dilfer wasn't supposed to be good enough to win a Super Bowl. So maybe they are. And then they both have amazing defenses. Very true. And then and then this season, who knows who will even be in there and, and, and what you may even need as – one of the best teams in the country has five-star quarterbacks in, you know, I think every quarterback they have is a five-star. They can't figure out who to play. Oklahoma somehow has the biggest quarterback controversy this, this year um, compared to all these other teams. You Teams would kill to have the problem that, that Oklahoma has. And they are having two former five-star recruits and they truly don't know who to play. Well, 
Oklahoma is what Clemson wanted to be. Yep. Right. So, so if you look at the way, and this has been a really um, talked about topic amongst Ohio State reporters and fans and podcasters and stuff like this. And Bill Landis had a really, really good interview with Ryan Ryan Day on the Athletic um, up the other week, and it, and it was all about this idea of how Ryan Day just takes the best quarterback every year. And currently three uh, five stars and a high four star in his quarterback room right now and that's kind of the opposite of what Clemson and Oklahoma have done which is they've taken the best best quarterback possible every other year so if you look at Oklahoma they went from um, you know all these guys and then they eventually Spencer Rattler they didn't take a quarterback the next year then they took Caleb Williams they didn't take a quarterback in 2022 and they have Malachi Nelson who's the number two quarterback in the country committed in 2023 right Clemson did the same thing Trevor Lawrence skip a year DJ Uyunglele skip a year and they have this kid Cade Klubnik uh committed so but here's the problem if you don't get the guy right every other year you have a season like Clemson's having right now where you lose to an NC State yep um they don't have a five-star backup. Ohio State has a five-star backup, which is not to say, you know, that's a better path. Clemson, you know, Oklahoma didn't miss, you know, or if they did miss with Spencer Rattler, they certainly didn't miss with Caleb Williams. So I, I just it's think still it's still early. It's it's still early. He played of great. Of course, of course. He, but but and also. by the way, don't forget this happened last year. Yep. Rattler got benched in the yep. Texas game, ended up coming back and you know, was, I believe, the preseason Heisman favorite coming into yes. this year. So for me, it's it's just a really interesting thought exercise in the way you build a team um, so much as it is a, a quarterback controversy in Oklahoma. And by the way, I don't think it's much of a controversy. Caleb Williams is um, in his first out of three years at Oklahoma on his way to becoming a top five pick in the NFL draft. So you play that guy. So Rattler, very, very good and will be absolutely tremendous wherever he transfers to next year. So, so for the listeners who, who, you know, may have been watching one of the other awesome games this, this past weekend, Spencer Rattler, former five-star quarterback. He was the number one quarterback in the country when, when he was in, in high school starter for the last two years, he sat behind Jalen hurts for that one year. Coming into the season, as as Max said, sky high expectations. He was not only the preseason Heisman favorite. I think it was McShay on ESPN had him as as in his first mock draft. You know, the top prospect, the the favorite for also the number one pick in the NFL. Has has underwhelmed from those incredible expectations. Fans started to unfairly turn on him, even though Oklahoma was still winning. They weren't putting up the offensive output that some guys have in the past. Caleb Williams comes in. Five star, I believe, from the Maryland area, a true freshman. Yeah, he's from he's from DC. Played played great, you know, sixteen for twenty five, two hundred twelve yards, three total touchdowns. But also, he scored three touchdowns. He also missed three snaps. You know, just the ball, you know, either dropped it or didn't see the ball. Some very young mistakes that we'll see if that those are like the things that football coaches pull their hair out over. We'll see if Lincoln Riley <laughs> can can tolerate that student student journalism you were a student journalist back in the day broke up i was broke the story very that, impressive uh, job by this young man broke this young person guess it could have been a woman these these reporters for the oklahoma uh student newspaper went to practice they like stood on the nearby building or the you know the building apparently no one was there to, to tell them not to watch and, and report they watched practice saw that caleb that saw that williams was getting all the first team reps 
Rattler's getting the second team reps. They wrote about it. Lincoln Riley banned all media from 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 practice. You know, not a good sign if he wants to take the uh, the New York Jets job sometime in 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 the future. <laughs> but uh, this quarterback well, even more impressive was that the same person who you know had the binoculars on and, yep. and got that uh, that scoop also spoke to Spencer Rattler's father. Yeah, just got some pretty good quotes. Just called him up, and so Rattler and his family are used to extensive media coverage. They were featured on Netflix's QB1 show, which uh, trails and follows quarterbacks during their their senior year. Rattler, oh, you mean you mean you mean the Tate Martell show? Yeah, everyone else was trying to yes. mimic. So Rattler was on it. You know, he comes across like a lot of 17, 18 year olds do, kind of brash, kind of arrogant. You know, potentially letting that five star rating get to his head a little bit at at times. Didn't seem like a bad kid, um, but seemed like a normal eighteen year old who's up and down and moody, and can definitely see that at Oklahoma, you know, that could probably rub some people the wrong way if he acts one hundred percent all the time with how he was depicted on that show, which he probably isn't, but. This is the number four team in, in the country, and they could very well go undefeated as Iowa State already has a, has a loss this year. They're not, you know, in the high rankings. They're by far the best Big 12 team after defeating Texas. This team will likely end up in the playoff, and yet people are talking about them like they're a three-loss team and don't know what they're doing. Well, they've looked very flawed. Yeah. They've looked very flawed. Um you know, they've, they've yet to have, at least it feels to me like they have yet to have uh, a, a really, really impressive win. Um, okay. You know, I, I, I think I think it just feels like they've struggled with a lot of the um, the games that they've had. And, and you know, they, they almost lost to Tulane in their opener. Yep. Right? They only beat Nebraska by a touchdown. Yep. They struggled to beat West Virginia by a field goal. And, you know, Kansas State, they won by six. They pretty much, I mean, should have gone to overtime if Texas didn't put their Swiss cheese defense out in that last rushing play. I mean, <laughs> this is a 6-0 six, six team that's only had one convincing victory, and that was against Western Carolina. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem. That's a problem when you've only played one ranked team and it's Texas. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting is you, you hinted at it by saying, you know, you're, you're expecting Williams to start and for Rattler to, to be the number two, the rest of the year and then transfer after the season. Um, yes. Oklahoma has succeeded in a large part because they've, they have gotten transfer quarterbacks. When you talked about the, the recruiting strategies, they oh, the irony. They they've they've gotten a lot of recruits that come to them. Baker Mayfield was a was a transfer. Jalen Hurts was was a transfer. Kyler Murray was a transfer. Lincoln Riley hasn't really you know you could say he's great at recruiting other teams' quarterbacks, not so great at recruiting high school quarterbacks. And mm, that, it, that's it's great still too hot take. Not sure I love it. I mean, he's gotten the number one quarterback in the country in two out of three years that's that's true he has now the question is 
you know, is he better at taking a semi-developed product than right. he is at taking a true freshman? That's a fair question. And and what's interesting, as, as you said, in, in comparing them to, to other schools and, and what you said about Ohio State having all these all those guys, we've seen a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks transfer into really well other places. Most famously, Joe Burrow, national championship, probably saved Coach O's job, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But yeah, this this Oklahoma thing is not going away. It's going to become the most annoying storyline of the college football season, <laughs> the same way that Ben Simmons will be the most annoying storyline of the NBA season. Um, because if Williams plays a first quarter and he's two for eight for 17 yards, everyone's, everyone's going to be like, put in Spencer. And if Spencer plays and he does does the same thing, the fans will literally be chanting for Williams again. It's it's insane. It's absolutely well, in, insane. College football fans are extremely fickle, especially yep. when you're a fan of a team that's expected to make the playoff every single year. That's very true. And, and, and you are one of those fans of a Big Ten team who has made the playoff a bunch, who's off to a, how should we say, below expectations start. Or meeting yeah. expectations? Yeah, I think the worst thing that ever happened to Ohio State fans was that in 2014 they lost to Virginia Tech and then ended up winning the national championship with a third-string quarterback because yep. now anytime they lose a game, it's, well, the 2014 team did it. And right. anytime a quarterback plays poorly, it's <laughs> like, well, who's, our, who, who's the next man up? Like, Cardell did it in 2014. And it's like, well, guys... Uh, that's probably an unrealistic expectation to have. Like, uh, uh, but um, the thing about Ohio State is, I, I mean, they seem to really have found their groove, and it's it's very weird um, because you know Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland on your schedule often lead to you finding your groove yep. um, as a team. So I guess that was very fortuitous. But they they had really, you know, they came off that Oregon game the loss and and they just underwhelmed against Tulsa you could tell that they've made some structural and schematic changes within their defense Um, they're starting to play some some of their you know clearly more talented guys and rotate a little bit less Um, and and, you know I I was actually at their game at Rutgers my fiance and I were there um, and I remember they gave up a 75 yard touchdown and I was like oh my god it's happening again but you know, it, 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 it was a one-off. They've, yeah. they've gotten away from giving up some of those big plays. I mean, C.J. Stroud looks like um, Night you know, and he, day. he legitimately could have been, could be the number one pick in the draft in a year or two. Um, and also, and, and also it, compared to how he played week one, week two, it's it's almost night and day. Absolutely. Completely different. And, and I think part of that is the fact that Travion Henderson has, has you know, finally gotten an opportunity to be the guy at the running back position. Yep. Um, you know, I, I would say averaging 8.7 yards per rush is not bad as a true freshman. Solid. Very um, solid. I, I would argue that that's, that's pretty uh, – I, I would take that. And, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if it was a health thing with him, um, with Stroud that is, but or if it was a motivation thing. They let Kyle McCord start the Akron game, and then Stroud came back with the vengeance. But um, – Whatever it is, he, he's found his groove. Ryan Day as a play caller has found his groove. The defense has proven to be um, okay. You know, they've yep. proven to be average at this point, which is, uh, for the record, a very, very significant improvement over where they were the first couple games because average was 
uh, a ways away yeah. there. Um, you, you know, I, I don't want to get sucked in. This team still has some big issues that are going to get exposed against good teams. And the good teams um, are coming. It is a gauntlet know, I, I, in the I, Big Ten I'm coming not, up. Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, we're going to get into that, I'm sure. But yep. I, I'm, I'm not fully convinced that, you know, all those teams are among the 10 best teams in the country. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure there's actually that many good teams, so maybe that's why. But, um, you know, the offense is really, really clicking for Ohio State, and, and they're back to, you know, doing the thing where, you know, the second or third most talented team in the country should be doing, which is smacking the heck out of, you know, the Rutgers and Maryland's of the world and, uh, you know, hopefully Indiana this weekend. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll see. So right now, the Big Ten is the best conference in the 2021 college football season. They have five teams currently in the AP Top 10. Iowa, number two in the country, off to a 6-0 and start. Huge wins at Iowa State. We watched a little bit of that game together. Home versus Penn yeah. State last week, great win. Um, you know, P- Penn State was ranked fourth in in, in that game. They're, they're down to nine, but the, the Iowa's in the Big Ten West. They beat Penn State. They don't have to play anyone else from the other division because, spoiler alert, people, the Big Ten is not actually ten teams. Uh, it's way more than that. And the Big Ten East has Ohio State, Michigan, six and seven, Penn State nine, Michigan State ten, and they're awesome running back. They have all yet to play each other. These four teams are going to beat the crap out of each other for the rest of the season. Where you're right, Ohio State as probably the most talented team out of all of them by the you know the recruiting composites, and they definitely have the the best quarterback. Could escape unscathed, be a one loss team head in to the Big Ten Championship against Iowa. Or we could have a two-loss Michigan team somehow by tiebreakers get in there. Or a, or a Michigan State team. Like, you have to run the, the gauntlet. Iowa has a clear path to being undefeated in that Big Ten Championship game, which then we're looking at, in terms of just speaking about the playoff briefly, them being number two in the country or number three in the country, undefeated with the only with the only loss being to a number five team in in the country, and is that a better loss than Alabama's loss? So, a fair question. Can I can I ask you a question? Do you sure. think when the first college football playoff ranking comes out, um, which I think is like right on Halloween or, or right around then, um, will Iowa be in the top four? I think so. Iowa has a very favorable schedule um not you know they could obviously fall into a trap game and lose but I don't see them losing to Purdue on Saturday at home and I don't really see them losing at Wisconsin so something crazy could obviously happen Wisconsin you know Graham Mertz has proven that he could have some some great games but those are two very favorable games that that I see Iowa winning and I think it'd be really hard to put them at number five after beating Penn State and beating Iowa State. So, I, 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 my hot take of the day is I, I don't think I was going to be in the top four of the first playoff. Wow. Um, I, I just don't. I think that, you know, like, if, 
you know, if Ohio State ends up beating Indiana and beating Penn State, now Penn State is also a two-loss team, and Ohio State has a more, you know, potentially impressive uh, resume than Iowa. You know, Alabama, I assume, is just going to smash Mississippi State and Tennessee. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I just I don't know if by the metrics or even the eye test, if anyone's actually thinking Iowa is legitimately the second best team in the country or just if by default they're just moving up because everyone else keeps getting upset. It's most likely by default in terms of just how they've performed so far because, you know, Alabama probably is the second best team in the country. I still think that they're the best team in, in the country, but the playoff okay, committee has the playoff committee has to do what what they're going to do. You know, we talked last year extensively about why they kept ranking Notre Dame where where they were, um, and you know, as as we've seen, the only rankings that matter is is the last one. Um, but I think Iowa will will be in there. But it, what's interesting is that that weekend of Halloween, some massive massive games in the Big Ten. Michigan plays Michigan State. And Penn State plays Ohio State. And those two games could be huge, absolutely huge, because if Michigan is, is, is undefeated and the Michigan media machine starts and everyone starts wearing those khakis as people start going back to work, <laughs> right? And people start talking about how Jim Harbaugh is running the football, right? And how he's did what Coach O did. And he got all these younger coordinators. And we're like, oh, is this the Jim Harbaugh Coach Coach O year where they were going to fire him? And all of a sudden now, this like magical season out of nowhere. They still have to get over the Ohio State obstacle in the last game of the season. We're not going to talk about that yet. But we've seen it before. When, when Michigan get, gets rolling, people love Michigan. Can, can I ask a question? Like, are we considering... Um beating Nebraska by the skin of their teeth, like to be rolling for, for Michigan, Nebraska's played better. I'll give them credit. They, they played a little better, but you know, Michigan people, people don't remember. People don't necessarily watch the games. They just see the box. They just see the W's and then they have to get on the shows and just start talking takes. They beat Nebraska by a field goal in a game that on the didn't road. feel like they were. Yeah, in a game like they didn't really feel like they were in total control of, and they only beat Rutgers by a touchdown. That's like, the fair criticism. Only beating Rutgers by a touchdown at home is the fair criticism of, of when you look at their schedule. You say, "What was this about?" Because conference game on the road at Nebraska. Yeah, you probably should have beaten them by more, but crazy things happen. Conference on on the road was more important that they. They won that game. They're off this week. They play Northwestern at home next week, and then they have that Michigan State game. Northwestern's always pesky. If they get a low-scoring game with them, that could be troublesome. But I'm telling you, if if Michigan is somehow sitting there undefeated after the Michigan State game, Indiana, I don't think it's very good this year. They could be undefeated going into when they play Penn State. Now, Penn State may be two losses. They may be three losses or one loss. Who who knows? But right. this, this I, Big Ten yeah, is a gauntlet. I, I, I don't see Michigan getting to the last game of the season against Ohio State unscathed. Um, I don't either. I, I personally, personally. Um, though, having said that, if Sean Clifford, you know, I, I don't know if you have an update that I haven't seen, but um, Sean Clifford, who 
you know, not a great quarterback, but looks like a Heisman Trophy winner compared to Taquan Taquan Roberson. That was um, a tough, you know, tough outing. Yeah, not. I feel bad for the guy. Um, you know, if if Penn State doesn't have Clifford back, then it's a completely different ballgame. But it's um, true. It's true. And 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 also speaking of Penn State, you know, we've talked about the other teams in the Big Ten. We'll give Michigan State their their due if 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 they beat Michigan, right? Because they're sitting, they're, you know, they're tenth, but really the outside looking in on this Big Ten picture. The one of the biggest events, and we and you especially, and we have talked about these things extensively over the years. The coaching carousels in full swing. A marquee job is open. USC fired Clay Helton. That job is open. The carousel is talking. Penn State is almost in a way, playing to keep James Franklin in a way. And so before we get into that, not a huge shot that Clay Helton has been let go. We've talked about it um, before. He's was been on the hot seat for like four years in a row now. But <laughs> but when you just look at his record, he was 46-24. and 24. You know, not horrible, not tremendous, but, you know, he was winning football games. He won a Rose Bowl. He got to a Cotton Bowl where, where they lost. But the big thing that killed him was he underperformed on the recruiting trail. And you can say that that's unacceptable being in Southern California and USC to see all these California kids decommit and go other places like Bryce Young to Alabama. You know, even though DJ's struggling this year, but DJ going to to Clemson, the guys at Oregon's been able to, to, to get out of California. But just a brief defense of his recruiting the last few years because he did better in the 2021 cycle. In his well, last, worse. well, his last three years at USC, USC, and specifically USC Athletics, was named in two different FBI investigations regarding college admissions and their athletic department. You know, the bribery one where they where they had the basketball program get in trouble with the FBI, and then the Operation Varsity Blues where they where you where you know. They're taking bribes for students claiming that they were fake athletes, right? He worked for a bunch of athletic directors. And we, we, we can say that guys don't, if we want to be nice, don't cheat at the top level with recruiting. But let's just say that they bend the rules to in their favor at these power schools. He maybe and probably couldn't bend the rules the way that other schools did that he was competing with, given how involved the FBI was on their campus and impropriety with the athletic department. So that that is my brief defense of his, but at the end of the day in college sports, it's, you know, results matter. And USC said you weren't good enough. And so they've moved on and the carousel's in full swing. And it's like, ever since that job opened, it was like James Franklin. We've talked about it, but James Franklin, James Franklin, Penn State, fourth in the country last week. Could James Franklin win the national championship and leave? So it's almost like USC mm-hmm. is rooting for Whoa. Penn State. You think Penn State's going to win the national championship? Well, going into last week, them undefeated. I didn't think they, they were, but like people were saying if Penn State wins out and makes the playoffs, could Franklin okay. actually leave to go to USC? But now, as we've looked at their schedule, if they're a four-loss team at the end of the year based purely on the gauntlet that is the Big Ten and the Big Ten East— it's a lot easier to to leave to go to USC, even if, and even if he is a good fit there, because who knows? USC is such a enigma of a job because it's so unusual than almost any and any and every other school in the country. 
I do agree with that. I, I, just to quickly just, you know, I thought you made a very valid defense for Clay Helton, but ultimately recruiting restrictions, uh, violations or not, players are going to a place where they feel like they can be developed into NFL players and make life-changing money. 100%. Um, that, that's why they're going to Alabama. That's why they're going to Georgia. That's yeah. why they're going to Ohio State. Um, offense players at Oklahoma, LSU. And Clay Hilton didn't prove that. And before him, Steve Sarkeesian didn't prove that. And they didn't prove it in the Lane Kiffin era. Nope. Um, and, and, and that's why it's fallen off. So all the great stories about taking three-star quarterbacks like Keaton Slovis and Sam Darnold and, and turning them into, you know, nice things and, and you know, going 11-3 and three and losing in the uh, Cotton Bowl in 2017 is, is charming until yep. – you know, you realize you're going five and seven the next year because you haven't built up enough talent, which is yeah. what, uh, which is what Pete Carroll managed to do. And you can talk about the Lakers were down. You know, there were no NFL teams when Pete Carroll was there. USC mattered. Well, it, it doesn't matter if if you had you know Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and Carson Palmer and all those dudes like he had. Like USC would still matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter that LeBron James is also there. Yeah. No, it's 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 all very true, and they got you know you could say unlucky. JT Daniels, the quarterback now at Georgia, started as a freshman, played great, if I remember correctly. Then he blows out his knee. Keaton Slovis comes in, balls out, and Daniels feels like he has to to transfer. Ends up at at Georgia. You know, bad. I think Slovis is good, and USC may have the best wide receiver in the country, and in, in Drake London. So, yeah, he, he's 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 remarkable. What's crazy is USC has USC still has first round picks at, at at different positions, but as we've talked about the depth of teams and just really what the difference is when you look at when you see the twenty four seven sports composite, which is basically just it takes all the guys on the roster and their high school rankings by star mm-hmm. or whatever and their number and compiles it into you know the total or whatever. Um, there's a big difference between being ninth and being third. Which doesn't seem like a huge difference, no, no, but it massive. really is. It's, it's a massive. huge, huge difference. And when you look at those rankings, you talk about the great recruiters in the sport. James Franklin comes up a lot. You know, Penn State isn't putting the same number of guys in the NFL. It seems like as USC is probably because they're at different positions. Yes, they had Saquon Barkley and 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 Micah Parsons, but. They're just recruiting a lot of guys there, and a lot of talent is ending up in in, in state college. Does, does that make him a good fit? Luke Fickle's been talked a lot about, about Cincinnati, because the old Cincinnati AD who hired Fickle is now the AD at USC. The connection there. Yeah, I'm not sure that makes a ton of sense, because you have to really be able to recruit California. Yeah. Um, you know, but just to put it in perspective, USC has 44 four-star players on their roster. Yeah. Um. Ohio State, you know, who you mentioned was third in the talent composite ranking, has 49 four-star players on their roster. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a huge difference until you recognize that USC has two five-star players and Ohio State has 16. Yeah. Um, so when you look at the difference, difference in blue-chip players, it's a, it's not just a top-end thing, but it's a depth thing. And, and, you know, obviously it's not a perfect ranking, but, you know, USC at 10 and Texas at 11, like that's beyond inexcusable. Both those schools should be in the top five every single year talent-wise with where they are located, the access and the pipeline. Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast today 
stars matter on the athletic and yeah. Ari Wasserman, who, who I think is terrific, by the way, d- was talking about there are three five-star players at the same high school at Los Alamitos High School, which is in Southern California. Um, they're all committed to Oklahoma in the class of 2023. Now, that's kind of a red flag. You wonder what's going on there. I'm just joking. But, yes. <laughs> no, no. It's it's seriously, it's it's a big issue because it, it, it used to be, because if you think about California is huge, you know, for all the non-geography buffs out there. California's huge. Texas is huge. <laughs> but California specifically, USC's really got to be in the game for about half of the five-star kids. You really just want to keep half of them at home because you're not going to keep everyone. That's a pipe dream. But you just got to really keep half, and hopefully you hit on the right ones because, you know, not all five-stars are are equal. Some pan out, some, some don't pan out. But... There's been a lot of talk, too, about with the name, image, and likeness, NIL. I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. Does that help them by being in Los Angeles, in that market? And it becomes the classic conundrum, in my opinion, of the small fish big pond in L.A., which if you are really good in L.A., people will show up. When when USC was great, as you said, Snoop Dogg, all these celebrities are, are, are showing up to the Coliseum to these games. And it becomes like Matt Liner and Reggie Bush would say they would they would go out in in L.A. like they like they were on the Lakers. Or is it better to do the the big fish small big fish small pond at a state college or you know a Clemson? It, and it's a great question. So they probably have more resources in terms of you could have CAA is is right there and all the agencies, but truly also. They have to get better. And what you're really looking at is you have to hire a coach who has a legitimate five-year plan. And you have to tell the fan base, whoever, it's 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 not going to get fixed overnight. This isn't a, we're just going to you know draft LeBron and all of a sudden we're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals in two years, right? Like that fix is not coming. But they can use this transfer pool now, which is essentially free agency, as the whole sit out for a year after your transfer rule. I guess the NCAA has forgotten to enforce that one, but they can basically go out and get whoever they want in the transfer portal because it's USC if they get a fun, exciting coach. That could really help with quarterback, plugging the holes. We've seen what Oklahoma and LSU has has, has been able to do. I'm going to throw a name out there to you as a coach who's not being mentioned who I think could be a really good fit. Coach O. I don't know. Man. He's on like, the hot seat. I, yeah, but so why do you want to recycle him if you're USC? So he was at USC. He was an interim coach. They decided not to keep him. He brings excitement. He brings a personality that he he is. You need that marquee coach. You know, Pete Carroll was was in the NFL for two stints. He goes to USC. It was like, oh, we have an NFL coach. You know, I think the Urban Meyer talks are a pipe dream. Um, he's got a lot of issues to, to work out with Jacksonville, especially with this London game. Side note, did you know that the NFL is sending Jacksonville and Miami this week to London? They're making these two Florida teams fly that's to crazy. London to, to play. They could have just met halfway that's, in Orlando. Yeah, they should just do that. Like Florida and Georgia play every year in uh what do they play? Like Jacksonville and the world's largest outdoor tailgate. Yeah. 
The NFL is crazy. Be, and the NFL still getting on, the, the NFL still going to get 100,000 people to to go and everyone to w- wake up at 9 a.m. It's it's unbelievable. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. The the NFL should have paid people in London to have to sit and watch the Jets in person the other week. <laughs> it's it's true. That was that was a, an ugly game, but what do you think of this of this coach O? He's an unbelievable recruiter. You solved that question there. He's a um, magnetic he's a, persona, he, he's and he's a, a name. He's a, he, he's a very good recruiter. I wouldn't say he's an unbelievable recruiter. I would say he's a very good recruiter. Um, I, I, I don't love it. I mean, okay. look, he's okay. won a national championship. He's won a national championship, but it just – but sort of Gene Chizik, right, at Auburn? You know, yeah. maybe that's unfair to say, but – He's got some off the field stuff and some oversight issues, right? That are big questions at LSU. Yep, he LSU because he had per- L- LSU is like the cheating capital of college sports. But that's a <laughs> that's a podcast for another day. And, and not to you know downplay, but he had maybe the greatest season of all time from a quarterback uh, to win yeah. that national title, right? And that was I'm pretty sure the year before Joe Burrow had like a twelve to seven. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio so I don't know what the heck happened between him and Joe Brady over that offseason but the the point being it feels like Ed Orgeron is a lot closer to the coach he is this year and he was an old Miss than he was two years ago when he won the national championship and maybe that's fair. not fair but if I'm USC that's not the guy that I want I don't want someone that someone else just fired interesting interesting Throw out a throw out your name. If if you could choose, um, if you could choose. Well, I mean, of, look of uh, of realistic, uh, like Saban's not coming. Okay, I was gonna say, but the semi-realistic candidate that I would say you got to throw a lot of money at is Mario Cristobal. I mean, he's completely just taken what was the the Pac-12 powerhouse in USC and relegated them to second banana behind his new uh, Pac-12 recruiting powerhouse. Um, yeah, you know when Oregon was winning under Chip Kelly, it wasn't because they were out recruiting USC. Well, you know it is now. That's exactly what's happening now. Um, so I mean, Mario Cristobal is is you know the guy if you can get him. In my opinion, uh, he's already beaten you for every California prospect that that you wanted. You know, we don't see a lot of cross <laughs> cross conference hirings in football. We see it. Frequently in, in basketball, but not too much in, in football. That would be, you know, I don't know how much love the Pac-12 gets nationally in terms of how rabid their fan bases are, but that would be that would be shocking. And I yeah, agree. I, I don't expect it to happen, but I would say it would be the, uh, you know. It would cost a lot. I would pursue him over James Franklin personally. Yeah. Um, it would it would cost it would cost way more to get Crystal Ball than any other guy we've we've mentioned so far. But that's that's the crazy part about these jobs is at a certain point, and the reason why I'm surprised a little bit that they, I know that they had to dis- make decisions based on this recruiting cycle and who the coach was going to be, right? But when you've let go of Helton so early, that means every single coach who has ever won a bowl game in like the last decade and a half is going to be 
somehow mentioned as a candidate for this job. And <laughs> including guys like Bob Stoops, who works for Fox. He's all right on TV. You know, I don't really pay much That's attention to, to the pregame, post-game, post-game show. But, you know, he would be great at USC. Does he want to coach college football anymore? Probably not. Would would Mark Stoops at Kentucky make make sense? You know, Kentucky's having a great season, maybe, but then all USC fans would be like, "We wanted the other Stoops." You know, when you fire a guy in in, in early September, every single guy's been mentioned, up including like, does Lane Kiffin come come back? This Ole Miss <laughs> offense is great. Like they, they they fired this guy on the tarmac, on the tarmac after a road game. They didn't even let him fly home. And, you're, and people are saying, well, they can hire him again. He's changed. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. But you say, Chris of all, I say, Coach O. Max, anything else you want to shout out? You know, and any any last thoughts here? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I just want to wish you a, a, a good luck as Division three practices are starting back up. Uh, we're true. recording the night of October 14th. So when you wake up tomorrow, it's uh, it's day one for the Ducks and Stevens Tech. So good luck to you and the squad. Good luck to all, you know, uh, your brother. Good luck to all the guys I, I miss dearly at Pratt and, uh, you know, all the other places I've worked. Um, you know, it's an exciting time of the year. And, uh, God, I'm, I'm, you know, just, you know, I think we started this episode talking about the chaos in college football. And I'm, yep. uh, I'm excited to see kind of what what's still left out there because i don't think chaos is done <laughs> oh we we just don't know what it is and we haven't even meant because you know there was so much that has happened we we, we, we picked and choosed our, our our top ones not to even mention oregon going to ohio state winning and then somehow losing on the road to stanford and now being ranked behind ohio state and now being ranked behind ohio state because <laughs> but the stanford team beat usc and was the reason you know that game got clay helton fired but is stanford good are they not good stanford you know has a good coach but like they fluctuate week to week it seems like anyway college football is nuts no one knows what happens any any week which is why everyone tunes in and why it's such a great product but max my hoboken neighbor i hope to see you soon Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. That'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. Also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back next week. Take care and make it a great day.